You know, that song speaks to my heart. Was he the sacrifice? He is the sacrifice. And make sure that you be at, say thanks to those girls, okay? Just to encourage them, you know. Just by singing that song, you know, if you are a child of God, this evening should melt your heart. Should melt your heart because he suffered and bled and died just for you and for me. You know, as I was thinking of uh, what to preach after pastor has asked me, uh, I just asked the Lord's leading because sometimes we as preachers, you know, uh, we think we know the mind of God. That's, isn't that true, Pastor Tom? But you know what? There are times that God says, no, that's not the one I want you to preach. And so I said, Lord, what do you want me to preach? And he directed me to the book of Revelation. So we will look at Revelation this, this evening. But by way of introduction to the message, I know that those of you who are married, and those of you who will gonna getting uh, getting married soon, you will listen, okay? Uh, for every sort of relationship, there is a honeymoon period, a time when everything is lovey-dovey and peachy. They say all sorts of differences are overlooked at this time. Now, kind words. No cross words are being spoken. Consideration is given to the other person, not you. It's just nice and wonderful time. But in many cases, the time comes when you know that the honeymoon period is over. The annoyances begin creeping in. The differences begin to grow more noticed and addressed. It's no longer pitchy and perfect anymore. It has become work. Brethren, this is true in marriages. It is true in business partnership. It is true in so many different kinds of relationship. But what scares me tonight is the thought that this will happen, happen in our relationship with Christ. A person got saved, and it's wonderful. It's such an awesome time or thing to know for the first time that your sins are forgiven. There is such a feeling of joy, peace, contentment. There is such a deep love for the one who died to make salvation possible for you. But, I'm, but you know, I'm afraid for many of us. There came a time in our life or in our walk with Christ that we began losing the zeal, the fire that we had as a new believer. A time when the newness wore off. And we began losing that seemingly unquenchable passion fire for Jesus Christ. As time and life goes on, we have allowed Christianity to become a drudgery and a chore. It is no longer a blessing. It becomes a burden. It's no longer exciting. It becomes excruciating. Now we do everything we're supposed to do, but the freshness is gone. The love has dwindled. The fire has gone out. And if we had to step back and take a good look at ourselves now, if there was anything inside of us that cares, we would be alarmed 
at our spiritual condition. We've lost the excitement. We've lost the, the passion. The fire as far, as far as our love for Christ has diminished. As we sing that, that song, Jesus Loves Me, Yes, Jesus loves you, but do you love Jesus? Can you honestly say tonight that you really love Jesus? Do you love Jesus more than you loved Jesus a year ago? Brethren, we need to search our hearts tonight concerning our love for the one who gave his life that we might have eternal life. The one who sacrificed everything, the adoration of angels, the glories of heaven, he came down to earth, lived among us, became sin for us that we might have eternal life. In these verses that we will look at tonight, we see a group of people who have come out from their spiritual honeymoon period. And there are three things that I want to share to you tonight concerning rekindling your love for Jesus Christ. Rekindling your love for Jesus Christ. There are three things that I believe. The Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, wants to share to us or, one, or he wants to say to us here at Southland Baptist Church concerning our love for him. Let's pray. Father God, we, we do thank you indeed, Lord, for your love unto us. But Lord, as you love us with an everlasting love, unconditional love, Lord, can we say with all honesty tonight that, Lord, we love you the way we love you the first time we've met you. And so tonight, I ask, dear God, that you would not only instruct us from your word, but also challenge us and, if need be, rebuke us. And Lord, may you get all the honor and the glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Rekindling the fire of your love for Jesus Christ. First thing that we will look at this evening is the commendation to the church. The commendation to the church. In verse 2, the Lord Jesus Christ says this, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. And is born, and his patience, and for my name's sake, is labored, and has not fainted. The commendation of the Lord Jesus Christ to the church. You know, not everything that, that the Lord Jesus Christ said to the church at Ephesus was negative. In fact, the church in Ephesus had a lot of things going for them. They were really excel, excelling in a number of areas, especially when viewed from an earthly perspective, he pointed out several things that is worthy of commendation. First of all, they were dynamic. They were dynamic. He said, I know thy works. Folks, the church at Ephesus was a working church. This was a church busy serving the Lord Jesus Christ. This was a dynamic body of Christ followers who were engaged in all kinds of ministry. Sunday school, vacation Bible school, Bible study, prayer meeting, soul winning, children's ministry, cell groups, music ministry, and many others. 
sounds familiar, isn't it? They were a dynamic church. Not only that, but they are a de dedicated church. Next, he says, I know they label. It looks like he's just, you know, uh, giving a, a, an emphasis on, 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 their, uh, on their works. But the word label means to work to the point of exhaustion. You know, there's, there's a big difference uh, in between a worker and a laborer. When you ask a person, what do you do? I work. And the other will say, I'm a laborer. A laborer is someone that, that, that will gonna, that will gonna give in all they had. Even they don't have something to give anymore. They were a dedicated church. The people are so dedicated to the cause of Christ that they work tirelessly. Again, sounds familiar with us, isn't it? Folks, they're not doing things half-heartedly. They put everything they had into the work of God. Next, Jesus commend them for their patient endurance. They are determined. The word patient endurance is a word that means to remain or abide under difficult circumstances. Folks, can I tell you that we've got it easy today as Christians? If you study this, the history of Christians in the first century, we are jellyfish Christians. We don't have backbones. You know, just having a runny nose will say, oh, not able to go to church. That's all right to say? Being a Christian in the first century entails a lot of determination and endurance. You will face opposition. People will hate you. They will laugh at you. As Brother E.J. says this morning, even your own families will disown you. You will be persecuted, maybe thrown into jail, or fed to the lions. These are the things that the first century Christians experience. And I believe that the, that the Christian in the church at Ephesus experienced the same. But you know what? They didn't stop. They kept at it. Why? Because they love the one who gave his life for them. Are we the same tonight? Are we determined? Do we have patience? They had a great determination and a staying power and enduring grace, courage, so that they are able to continue. They did not become weary in well-doing. They do their Bible, folks. They know that the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will rape if you faint not. They know, therefore, my beloved brethren, be immovable, steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. They are determined. Therefore, the Lord Jesus Christ commanded them. Not only that, but they are disciplined. The church at Ephesus was disciplined. They would not tolerate those who are evil. It says, 
how they how how thou canst not bear them which are evil. The next thing that the Lord commanded commanded them is they are discerning. They are discerning. In the last part of verse 2, it says, And thou hast tried them, he says, they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. They had tested, tried those who says that they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars. You know, folks, there's something inside these Christians that couldn't tolerate those who were fakes. They could not tolerate those who claim to be apostles but were just bunch of frauds and liars. They had the great ability to sniff out the wolves who would come among them in sheep's clothing who were not there to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ but to attain power and influence that came along with the position of apostle. They had the uncanny ability to find out, find out the impostors and they would then tolerate them. They are discerning. They are discerning. They had taken to heart the, the warning gi- given by the Apostle Paul to the church elder almost a generation later. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 20, please. The book of Acts chapter 20. This is the warning given by the Apostle Paul. And the Ephesian Christians take it to heart. Verse 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flocks over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseer to feed the church of God which had purchased with his own blood. For this I know, the Apostle Paul said, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves, Shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch, the Apostle Paul said. Folks, we need to be discerning as a church. The Bible says that test every spirit if they are of God. Folks, not everything that 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 that, uh, that a man of God, and I'm glad that that our pastor, you know, preaches the word of God, preaches the the, the uh, unadulterated word of God. But folks, let's be discerning. Let's not allow someone that come into this pulpit and divides us because of false doctrine. Doctrine is important. This is what separates us from the Catholics and other religions. I still remember what Pastor Tom says, you know, we need sound preaching. Not preaching that tickles the ears of Christians. Folks, we will not grow that way. We will not grow that way, I'm telling you. Yes, it may be hard sometimes, but Lord, we need, but folks, we need it. I need it. We all need it. They are discerning. They couldn't tolerate these people that says they are this, but they are not. What a commendation. We need to remember that the one who gave the commendation is not a pastor of another church or a Christian from another church or another church. 
the one who gave the commendation to the church is the, is the all-knowing God, the omnipotent God, the one who knows everything about you and me, the one who knows everything of you and me from the inside out. So I ask you tonight, and I'll ask myself too, how's the fire or how's your love for Jesus Christ tonight? Like I said, can you honestly say that you love Jesus Christ more than you love him a year ago? Because if not, if I cannot say, then I'm a backslider, isn't it? And you are a backslider too. I don't apologize for, say, for, for saying that. Because that's the truth, folks. If I don't love Jesus Christ more than I love him a year ago, then I'm, a, I'm backsliding. Because I should love him more now than I should love him a year ago. Folks, maybe The Holy Spirit saying to you and me tonight, hey, you need to wake up. You are asleep. You are beginning to drift further and further away from the one who loves you with an unconditional love. So, we look at at the commendation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now, let's look at the complaint. You know, as I'm reading, I'm studying for this, I wish that the Lord Jesus Christ would have stopped in verse 3. And, I, 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 and you know, it, 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 it would be just, you know, smooth sailing from there. But no. He continued in verse 4, and he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. He said, I have something against you. Strong words. I have something against you. And he spelled it out, folks. He said, thou hast left thy first love. Meaning he said, you don't love me the way you used to love me anymore. As I was studying for this message, it, hit, it hits me pretty hard. What the Lord Jesus Christ is trying to communicate in this passage of Scripture. If you look at the church of Ephesus from the, from the, uh, from the uh, uh, outside, you would say it's a five-star church if you grade them one to five. But there's something wrong. And therefore he says to them, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. The Christians at the church at Ephesus were busy working. They were laboring. They were toiling. They were winning people to the Lord Jesus Christ. They were starting new churches all around Asia Minor. They were putting everything they had into the work of God. They were enduring all types of persecution. They were living the way that pleases God. And yet, in spite of all the great and glowing commendation, 
the Lord says to them, you know what? I have something against you. I have something against you. You know, when, when, when someone says that to us, you know, we might, we might take it lightly. But what if the one saying to you and me right now is the Lord Jesus Christ himself? What would you and I say? Oh, Lord, uh, I cannot love you the way I used to love you because the kids are sick, therefore, and you fill in the blanks. Folks, that will not do with the Lord Jesus Christ. I said he knows you and me from the inside out. They're doing a lot of things, and yet they had lost the freshness and passion of a deep love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't the way it used to be, folks. They forgot to keep the main thing, the main thing. You hear what I said? They forgot to keep the main thing, the main thing. They were so busy with the things of God that they forgot the God of things. I wonder what it was that caused them to begin losing the fire. I wonder what was it that, that pulled them away from their passionate love for Jesus Christ. I mean, they had it one time, isn't it? They had the passion, they had the excitement, they had the zeal, they had the fire. But now the Lord Jesus Christ said to them, Thou hast left thy first love. I'm no longer the priority. I wonder if they become motivated by status. They were motivated by something. Something drove them to work so hard and press through so many difficulties. Maybe it was status. Instead of going about God's work out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ, I wonder if they saw the possibilities of being recognized as such an awesome church. Oh yes, the church at Ephesus. That's the church that's growing by leaps and bounds. That's the church that is sending their homegrown missionaries. That's the church that's planting new churches around the world. What a great church. I believe that a lot of us have probably gone from being motivated by our love for the Lord Jesus Christ to being motiv motivated by status. Maybe they want their church to be recognized as a vibrant and growing church. And folks, there's nothing wrong with this design. Okay? My prayer for Southland Baptist Church is that we'll be a vibrant and growing church. But there is a great danger into those desires to make them the motivation for working and laboring for the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of stemming from a passionate love for the Lord Jesus Christ, it now stems from a desire to be noticed. Let me ask you, young men, that are wanting to go into the ministry. I don't want you to answer it, but God knows your, motiv your motivation. What's your motivation for wanting to enter the ministry? Have you ever thought of that? When you sing a solo, what's your motivation? Uh, because I got the voice or... Somebody asked me, is that your motiv motivation? Or oh, because you love God, that's why you want to serve God. 
we need to search our hearts why we serve, why we want to be in the ministry. Because it's easy, it's easy for us for our motivation to be skewed. This. If you want the praise of men, if you're serving, you'll get it. But you will not get it from God. Folks, promotion comes from the Lord, not from men. So be careful. I'm not trying to discourage you. I must as well, uh, I want to encourage as much as I want. But be careful that you don't enter into the ministry because you want to be recognized. No, no, that, that's not the, the motivation. The love of Christ compels us, motivates us, the Bible says. Maybe they went from being motiva motivated by a love for Jesus to being motivated by a feeling of obligation. Again, why do you serve? Uh, because that's what the pastor expects of me. Or that's what my parents expect of me. That's what the church expects of me. That's what God expects of me. May God help us if that's the motivation we have. in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, it should not be an obligation. It should come out from our heart. That really loves the one who died for you. The one who sacrificed everything that you can enjoy. And one day, have an eternal home in heaven with him. With him. The story of a father who had a 15-year-old girl. Uh, she was the apple of the eye with his father. You know, they used to go out and, and just walk, you know, go to the playground like that, you know, go on a date. But then suddenly, before his, his birthday, The girl said to, to her dad, that I'm busy. I'm busy. Well, the dad says, well, she didn't think, he didn't think much of it. But for three months, the girl didn't come out, come out of the room. And the morning of his birthday, the girl came out of, of her room. And handled to her father her gift. When the when the father opened, he saw a beautifully embroidered jacket. She said, Daughter. Is this what you're doing for three months now? And then the girl said, how do you know? Are you counting the days? And the father said, that's not the, that's not the issue. She said, 
he said to, her, to, to his daughter, he said, next time, he said, I just want you to buy the gift for me because all I want is you. I want you. I'm wondering tonight if that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is telling us. I wonder if he's saying to you and me, I want your companionship. I miss the fellowship we had before. I miss the time you spent with me. I have somewhat against thee. Because thou hast left thy first love. Can I tell you this? And I will not apologize for saying it. The most miserable person in the world is not the unbeliever out there. The most miserable person in the world is a Christian who has fallen out of love with Jesus. I say it again. The most miserable person is a Christian who has fallen out of love with Jesus. Have you fallen out of love with Jesus? You don't have to answer that. But you know what? God knows your heart. God knows my heart. He knows the condition of my heart. He knows that he knows if I love him really the way I should love him. Like I said, as I was studying this 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 message, the Lord just speak to my heart. Because there are times, I'll be honest with you, because there are times that I want to do my, uh, my own things. Even if they are good things, you know what? I still left my first love. Folks, let's be careful. Let's be careful. We may be even making progress in our walk with God. We may have some spiritual victories, some level of effectiveness, and yet still be guilty of leaving our first love of being distracted from what God really wants from us. You know what God wants from you? It's not mainly your service. It's not. You want to have a close relationship with you. You want to commune with you. And yet, oftentimes we are guilty we are guilty of neglecting our relationship with the one who died for us. We just take it for granted. Oh, God will be there. Folks, I hope that this message will talk to your heart. I hope that the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind that, hey, you're not loving God the way it used to be. I'm not loving God the way it used to be. Have you fallen out of love with Jesus? Yes, I know there's so much work to do. There are more souls to win for the Lord Jesus Christ. But I wonder if Jesus is saying to you and me tonight, I just want you. I just want you. I just want you. But I'm not just talking about 
not having your time alone with God every day. You know what? I believe you can even be having your own devotional time and still have left your first love. I believe you can be reading your Bible and praying every day and at the same time just getting by as a Christian with no real excitement or passion in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what I believe. Keeping the passion fire burning in your life is more than just doing your daily devotions. It's not dutifully carving out some time each day to read a little scripture and say a little prayer. It is about loving Jesus with all your heart and growing your relationship with him. Paul said that I may know him. That's the main goal of the Apostle Paul. The one, the one I believe, the greatest Christian who ever lived on earth. He said, I don't want these accolades. I just want to know him. And how can you know God? How can you know the Lord Jesus Christ? By have, having a closer relationship with him. That's how you can have that closer relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They neglected the main thing, their relationship with the one who died for them. And therefore, the Lord Jesus Christ says to them, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. But then he didn't leave, leave them in, you know, in cloud nine. He gave them the solution to their problem. And I believe he's giving us also the solution to our problem, which is we're not loving the Lord Jesus Christ the way we use it used to be. He gave them his counsel. Verse 5. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first work or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove the candlestick out of his place except thou repent. Three things quickly. Three R's. Okay? Remember. Remember what? Remember from whence they had fallen. Jesus is calling them to remember what it was like when they first got saved. And maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you now right now, tugging your heart and saying, do you still remember the first time you got saved? There was so much joy. There was so much contentment. There was so much excitement, zeal in you. Remember them. He said, remember. Remember the way it used to be. You still had those moments? Can you still remember? How excited you are to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ to others? How excited you are just to talk with him, to commune with him? Do you still remember? Or the fire is gone. The love has dwindled. You are just running now on pure emotion. Yes, you attend church every time the church is open, but there's no more 
zeal. There's no more, there's no more excitement in your Christian life. It's just now a obligation. Oh, I need to be in church because and you can fill in the blanks for me. Like I said, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself mainly, primarily. Because I know in my heart, and I'll just be honest, and I hope that you'll be honest also, I don't love my Lord and Savior, be honest, the way I used to love him. I don't. Yes, I commune with him, but you know the, commun- the, the communing with him doesn't excite me anymore. You know, I read my Bible that there are times, you know, I didn't get something from it. Why? Because it's now, uh, it's now out of duty, out of obligation, not out of love. And the Lord said to me, as I studied this lesson, you know what? There's still time. Just remember those times that you are excited talking to me. Just remember those times that you tell me everything. Your victories, your failures, your shortcomings. You used to tell me, but not anymore. Folks, when we go to that situation, we no longer love the Lord the way we used to love him. Like I said, it's, not, it's now become an obligation. It's now become an obligation. And then he said, repent. He said, repent. Folks, it's not just enough to simply remember. A good illustration is a husband and wife. If they had a problem, it's just enough to remember the good old days. You know, when you're still holding hands together, when you used to open the, 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 door, the door of the car to just let her in. It's good to remember these things. But as life goes on, like I said, the annoyance is creeping in. There's some misunderstanding. You grow apart. And folks, if you don't okay, change your direction, remembering the good old things will amount to nothing. We need to change direction. Remembering is great, but Changing your direction is even better. Is even better. God wants us to do more than just remember those days that we are walking with him. With zeal, with excitement. More than that, he wants us to become deeply humbled before him for having so carelessly handled our relationship with him. We need to repent. And then he said, repeat. He said, repeat. Remember, therefore, therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first work. Do those things. Little things that you were doing before. He said, do them again. 
folks, there is still time left for us to be in the situation that we used to be before. It's not too late. You know, I'm glad that my God is a God of not only million chances, but probably billion chances. You know, I, I failed him every day. And you don't, because you are a spiritual giant, isn't it? No, we, we failed him every day. And therefore, we can go to him and say, Lord, forgive me. I mess up. Can we start all over again? That we, that, that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying tonight. Let's start all over again. Don't rest until you have recovered all the ground you have lost over time. Do the little things again. Return to what you're doing when you did have an exciting, passionate relationship with Christ. Folks, the best way to rekindle the passionate love for Jesus that you and I once said is to remember what it was like. Then change our direction where we are going and begin doing the things that we're doing when our love was so strong. That's the counsel that the Lord Jesus Christ gives to the church that has left is its first love. And you know what? I believe with all my heart. And you may not and you may not agree with me with what I'm to say, but I believe that is what. God is saying to Southland Baptist Church tonight, you have left your first love. But you know what? You can still recover it. Just remember, repent, and repeat. Pastor E.J. Young.